0: The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Kev, I've put our names down, you'll be pleased to know, um, for Jeff Bezos' uh, space programme. I thought, well, they've put everybody up there now. William Shatner went up a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I, I don't think they've they've had yet wedding photographers. So they're putting the first 90-year-olds into space, they're putting the first teachers into space, they're putting so they're sort of gradually all these labels, and I thought, what about the first wedding photographers in space?
1: It'd <laughs> be us, yeah. That's it. We can take some nice pictures out the windows.
0: What, what about the first wedding in space? That's never been done.
1: It's going to happen, isn't it? It's yeah. definitely going to happen. That's on the cards.
0: Oh, but then they'll need a wedding photographer. Who's? Oh, I tell you what. Who's putting the hands up for that one? I don't,
1: I would definitely. I'm with mind. Prince William on this. I think they should, you know, can off space and and start concentrating on the on our planet before they start concentrating on space. But there you go. Middle <laughs> me.
0: Oh, okay Kev. Yeah, but it's it's all you know. That's the advance of science, isn't it? That's the exciting thing about science. Is okay, that it. Goes Lisa,
1: it's the advance of capitalism.
0: No, no, it's space exploration. You know, boldly mm. going, and all the rest of
1: it. The only re- super rich people can boldly go into.
0: I've taken our names off that list. The Fuji yeah. cast. <laughs> Let's go I'm, and save the Amazon instead. I, hey. Yes, there we oh. go. Uh, um, I, I don't think Jeff would would happily welcome us with open arms.
1: I don't know, I've spent billions on Amazon in my yeah, time, so maybe that's... I might be top of the invitation. You <laughs> must list.
0: be somewhere near the top, yeah. Right, well, welcome to another Fujicast. You and your uh, your questions that you're sending into the uh, the Facebook group, um, or indeed you're sending in via the email to click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, I think we're doing okay for questions at the moment, but usually winter signals are kind of a well there's two periods of the year it's it's sort of as we get into the depths of winter and uh, as as summer heats up in the northern hemisphere anyway we usually have to say come on get your skates on get a few more questions in so do keep sending them in we've planned nothing special for christmas yet I mean, last mm. year we we effectively cancelled Christmas, didn't we? On the, on the we didn't on the did. Cast. Oh yeah, Boris did. He cancelled Christmas, but cancelled so,
1: it on Christmas Eve, didn't he? did
0: uh, Did he do it Christmas Eve?
1: Oh, the day before, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. he was right in the end. In fairness, he made yeah. the right choice. Yeah.
0: Just um. So we, well, we the year before, and maybe the year before that, we did some sort of panto thing, didn't we? Do you remember that with Gemma <laughs> yeah. shouting out the window? Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, we we couldn't do it, so we had to we had to can it. So I'm not quite sure. Are We planning something again this year for Christmas, Kev, or, or are we still being bar
1: humbug about it? It would be nice. Yeah, I, I'm quite happy. Yeah, I've got about yeah? eight weddings in December, so I'm not sure when we're going to do it. God, have you <laughs> eight weddings? Well, no, maybe not eight, but I think four, five, five maybe.
0: Wow, wow. Well,
1: yeah. What have I been doing
0: wrong? I've got loads of time to do a, to do a <laughs> podcast. Anybody want to come and do a podcast? kev will be out doing his weddings yeah
1: Um, i can borrow you my grumpy filter
0: (laughs) is that an official grumpy filter yeah uh book of the week kev what have you got tickety-boo 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 is that really
1: the book of the week tickety-boo charles (laughs) trobe tickety-boo just really in fact released two weeks ago tickety (laughs) what's tickety-boo about tickety-boo book of the week. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically snapshots. He's a he's a you know he's a he's a, a lauded photographer. Yeah, uh, and he's done a few of these over the years. This is his uh, latest uh, load of them, all well, mostly shot during the last uh, five years, I think. Um, all iPhone pictures. Tickety boo
0: tickety-boo why is he calling it tickety-boo
1: that that doesn't sound very well tickety-boo means you know how you do when people say to you you know are you okay and you say yeah i'm tickety-boo tickety-boo kind of means yeah i'm all right but actually i might not quite be all right that's you you know that's what tickety-boo implies doesn't so it? i
0: know i thought tickety-boo was oh it's okay we're just we're just who says tickety-boo anymore anyway
1: <laughs> tickety-boo i love it i'm gonna say it all day long now
0: it's, it's oh, just a, trips off the tongue doesn't it a, tickety-boo it's a proper quaint thing isn't it tickety-boo tickety-boo how are you yeah. tickety-boo where did you come from <laughs> <laughs> tickety-boo i do like it so snapshots yeah. Ah, even lauded photographers were allowed to make snapshots
1: yeah, yeah, it's quite an interesting book for a long, for a long hot while. Hot off
0: the press, hot off the press. Yeah, for a long while, you called yourself a snapshotographer, didn't you? Which was kind of a shot across the bows, um, wasn't it? Wasn't it a cheeky, uh, wasn't it a cheeky shot across the bows that, that, that yeah. the, the reason why you called yourself a snapshotographer? There was a yeah, yeah, because yeah, it yeah, was an acquaintance of ours that had said something, wasn't that? That's right. Yeah, yeah,
1: There was a a very well established yeah. wedding photographer said you're just a snapshotographer.
0: That's it. He didn't say say that to your face, though, did he? Uh,
1: No, not to my face, but he didn't know I was behind him. No. These are just snapshots, he said. Oh, I didn't know that. It was in a judging panel, basically. He sat there with his arms folded, didn't even stand up and look at the pictures, just said, I'm not looking at these snapshots.
0: He refused to look at your snapshots?
1: Yeah, or oh,
0: your pictures. <laughs> I'm getting into that. Yeah, his yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was behind him in the room. I, he didn't know that. I'd forgotten time. that part of the story. That's terrible, Kev. Is this the That's same man Muriel. that? Re, re, yes, terrible Muriel. Um is, he, is this is the same acquaintance or or, or a photographer that refused to mentor me? Wasn't it? He said, "No, I think you'll find you've got better people that you know." Because wasn't it the same one? I think it was. Because you have Possibly. to be mentored to do um, some of the. Ed- are we allowed to mm-hmm. mention it you have to be yep. mentored i think to do this the associateship didn't you yeah and yeah. uh i asked i said would you do it and he said no and i mm. thought he was joking i thought i said yeah well i'd be great and no <laughs> computer <laughs> says no go and be mentored by your snapshotographer friend mullins he didn't say that bit but. yeah
1: that was it right that was it
0: Questions then? Do you want to go first, or is it moi? Uh,
1: I'll go first. Go on then. Uh, from the Facebook group, as is now tradition, starting from the latest one, which is fourteen hours ago. Asim Khan says, "Hi guys, I'm sure that you have covered this question at some time or another. But what is your photo storage setup right now? How do you maintain recent work and organise your archives?" Ah. that's very pertinent because I've just been through all of this.
0: You have, haven't you? I- I've had the same system for years. I use uh, because I'm a Mac man um i don't have to be a mac man to use this but i use uh, g drives I've got some thumping big g drives g tech g tech so yeah g tech
1: um and we work uh, with um pcs as well by the way
0: yeah they do yeah and what one's um so one's here in the office another one is in another location and then i have a dump down one that uh, is across town in another secure location and then then the um and then the cloud i think that's reasonably well covered but I don't yeah. I don't have I've, – I've never – I think you use um, a far more complex system than mine.
1: I don't think it is. I've got um, – so everything is on my – I've streamlined it all recently. I had, you know, archive drives and things like that that were in the cupboards and what have you, which I've just – I had loads of them. I've taken them all out, formatted them all, and given them all to my friends. Um, so now I have a uh, 36 terabyte drive, which is rated, yep. so about awesome. 16 terabytes, of active storage, which has all of my archive stuff on it, and that is then sucked up to Backblaze, and all my business stuff and my, um, uh, you know, like work, if you like, is on um, OneDrive, and that's it.
0: So you you don't have another secure location where you. So I am I am making mine much more complex, aren't I, Kev?
1: Backblaze, yeah. Lives in the cloud. I mean, I am at the, at the, the mercy of you know. Should should my my um, studio get hit by lightning and Backblaze go bust on the same day, you're done. Then then I'm, uh, but it's only my archive. So, my, my, so the, all of my, basically the last two years worth of work as well is on Dropbox. So, that, that's a, that works on a um, FIFO basis, first in, first out. So, um, I have, uh, you know, two years. So, come January, I will delete anything from January 2019. Which they were a couple before we got into lockdown right. of Dropbox. So I have the two, the most recent two years worth of work in Dropbox. All of everything else, archives is in OneDrive and on my RAID. I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with the way I've got yeah, it. But no, it people can good. overcomplicate it. Yeah, well, as yeah. we both did. So you know, it's it's easy to to overthink this. I think your
0: your RAID system. Do you do you have a system where you can take drives away so that you can snuggle up with
1: them in bed <laughs> no but they they can't they're hot swappable so if one drive fails i can stick another one in and i won't lose any data no. um but it's it's fine i'm, yeah. I'm more than happy with that.
0: good yeah um ian young says uh, good morning chaps or good afternoon or good evening i am a hobby photographer that has offered some paid work photographing uh, has been offered some paid work photographing gardens and houses for a large building material manufacturer they want shots of the finished projects to use for advertising on social platforms and brochures. The work will involve some driving, around two to four hours and I estimate, three hours shooting plus editing. Which sounds actually very similar to some work that you've been doing, Kev. Is it gone Is mm-hmm. it gone for your work? You've taken Kev's job. What I'm struggling with is how to work uh, well, I think this is the quest this is a sixty four million dollar question. Uh, if you could charge that much, that'll be nice. How to work out what to charge. Is there an hourly rate I should be looking for? Is it better just to price jobs per job? Keep up the great show. Been listening since the start and, uh, and chip in on Patreon. Ah, oh, you do, Ian, don't you? So thank you. He didn't bump to the front that one. He just waited. You must be English, Ian. You're waiting in line. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have been doing a very similar work, uh, job to this. I have to say I don't charge per hour when I'm doing commercial work. It is a daily rate.
1: Yeah, same as me. So, my when I'm doing this kind of stuff, which is you know, it's not, um, it's basically turning up, taking pictures, no editing. Um, I charge 600 pounds for half a day, 800 pounds for a full day, and 45p per mile. And sometimes, some of these jobs I get more money on the mileage than I do on the, on the <laughs> shoot.
0: <laughs> which is which is handy in a petrol shortage. Yeah, so you notice by the way that the petrol stations have opened up.
1: Well, yeah. a couple well, of weeks ago. Rightly right, so. Yeah. You know, th- that was uh, five weeks ago now, really, when I, that was all kicking off. Yeah, but well, I
0: thought it was... Do you, do you remember Bor- uh, Bodge, Bodger, as uh, as a presenter I listened to, said, uh, uh, this is going to go on till Christmas? I thought, no, no, surely not.
1: Um, but, yeah. I think there's still parts of the country where they're, they're still, you know, a little bit tight, but, yeah, yeah by and large.
0: So, um, so it's per job for you, uh, with a mileage rate... Uh, what about editing, though, Kev? What what happens when now that I've come unstuck with this because I have a a similar uh, day rate to you. Um, I'm a bit cheaper, not not much, but a little bit. You're reassuringly more expensive, as that advert goes. <laughs> but what about um, now? I've come unstuck with this, and I wonder whether you've been through this as well. You've done the job, you've done the editing, but then you start getting a list of can we change this, 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 and this. So that becomes then a post processing thing that can take you into. Another day, perhaps, or even
1: more? Well, in that, I mean, that doesn't happen. I have, that's not happened for any of the commercial stuff I've done. But what I would say is that I think, with all commercial, you know, when you're talking to businesses, they're expecting to spend money um you know and if the, if you say to them yeah i can do that it's going to take me another half a day and that's going to cost you another 600 pounds they'll just say okay you know it's not their money is it commercial yeah. it's not you know it's not the fellow who's writing the check his money it's it's the boss so yeah. they don't really but and, and also they have i think that budget, you know then. if they did haggle about that kind of stuff you just say all right i will i won't do it you know, that's, that's, that's how businesses work, isn't it? It's different, of course, weddings, because then it's not, tr- you're not dealing with a business. Um, you know, it's, you're dealing with a, um, very, it is a very different concept. There's, a, there's a lot of emotional stuff going on and there's expectations of work and all that kind of stuff. But I think for commercial stuff, if you, you know, you've got to factor in your editing time into your pricing. So if it, mm. if you do need to edit the job, then, and it's two days, then you price for two days. And if there's any extras that come along, then they will pay for it. That's, you know, They don't want to expect stuff for free, businesses. Do
0: do you know, on the retouching front, here's an interesting one to put to you, because I haven't had this for, I don't know if I've ever had this, but um, when I mentioned it to a couple of people, they'd said, oh, yeah, I've had that before. Now, I shot a wedding. Client's happy with wedding. No worries with that, so that's all good. But there's a few, uh, more than a few, quite a few pictures to be retouched because one member of the family um, had um, had problems with acne. Now I see. Yeah, I do understand that. I see that. But of course, that that has now meant that there's hours and hours of work to be done on on retouching, where I've never worked in that way before. I, I like you, Kev. I do light retouching. So this is color correction, black and white conversion, cropping, dodging and burning, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. no, but not not whole scale skin retouching because somebody who okay is a family member but but not directly the person that I was photographing or had the contract with how would you deal mm. with that Kev as a I know what I've done I'll tell you what I've done in a moment but how would you deal with
1: that well I would just I would probably it's never happened to me but I would probably take the approach of saying yeah okay no worries I can look into um you know letting you know how much a retoucher would cost for that job yeah um, then I'd speak to somebody like Michael Schilling in London, who does uh, he's got a retouching service. See how much he would charge, and then I would go back to the clients and say, "This is how much it will be if you want it done. Mm. Your choice." But Kevin, that's, I, that's I, the approach I would take.
0: I hired you, and I thought you would retouch all the images. Just throwing that one in there, Kev would
1: I retouch the images? Yeah, well, no, no, I'm,
0: I'm saying as a client, I'm saying, but Kevin, I, I employed you to be my photographer and you retouch and turn things into black and white. I thought that would be all part of the cost.
1: No, dear customer, it's not part of the cost. It's natural. They couldn't, I mean, I don't know, it depends on your, your website and your marketing and everything, but, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I've covered the bases on, of, for that, for myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, of course, if, if part of your, your marketing and your... Um, uh, product is that you you know you you do that and you offer that service and everything yeah. then yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go for it and that's fine you know that's absolutely fine but but not i wouldn't i you know for me i would just be i wouldn't say no but i would offer them uh options i'm certainly not going to sit there and 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 do it i just wouldn't
0: well i i in the end paid out of my own pocket for a, a 40 pounds an hour for a retoucher to go through those and uh and apply the work that needed to be done then changed my contract so mm. so uh yeah it's learned isn't yeah, it you know
1: yeah okay yeah
0: right Facebook. Well, what
1: would you do next time
0: <clears throat> well then i've got the contract to cover me though haven't
1: i yeah but what does the contract say that you you just wouldn't do it or that you would cost it no in essence what you've just said retouching that's um,
0: cosmetic will be quoted per job
1: and it's different of course if you're if you if you do much more um traditional style wedding photography if you're doing a lot of portraits and group shots and all that kind of stuff then i think there's an expectation there Well, no
0: i i I never worry about moving the odd set of eyes around in a in a group shot you know where you've got ah nailed it got that brilliant very happy with that one but oh you've closed your eyes um so i don't mind
1: can you even do is that a thing you can do that can you photoshop just move a few eyes around yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and if you can't
0: find the right eyes just borrow granny's (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, loads of eyes on iStock photo. Surely, <laughs> yeah.
0: what eyes do you want? I want the ones with the Mullins eyebrows, please. <laughs> That's extra. Right, your question, Facebook.
1: Right, okay, so this, uh, yeah, this might be one for you because it's about an XH1, which I don't have. Uh, it's from right. Matt Sales. It says I ran into a bit of a problem with my XH1 the other day when I tried to film some video up in the mountains. Right. Um, the lowest my 18 to 55 mil, which stopped down was F11 yeah. uh, when I really needed to stop down to F16 because of the bright light. Yeah, uh, As I was about two kilometres from my ND filter in the car, this proved to be a bit of a problem. Any idea why I couldn't use F16 in video mode? Well, I don't know. Why would you not be able to stop
0: down to F16? Uh, surely you Of course you can. You can, I'm sure, F22 without a problem at all. Yeah, I, that sounds peculiar um that doesn't sound like that i mean I'd, I'd like to know whether that was two cameras or one camera but there's no uh, reason one I camera, mean,
1: xh1 oh i see whether you think it would happen on on another camera yeah yeah i don't i don't i mean the 18 to 55 is an f16 lens um i mean you i can, it's not, I can it's... see it happen in the other direction if you're with a zoom lens that has a variable aperture so eighteen to fifty five, I think is, is yeah. No, I'm not sure whether it's fixed or whether it's two point eight. He's not
0: talking about stopping up though. He's talking about stopping no, down. isn't he?
1: Yeah, I know absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I can't I can't think of um, any reason why that would happen unless it's a physical. Uh, you know, unless there is on the XH one with that lens combination a uh, you know a limit. I'd
0: have to try that, to try that, but I can't see why that wouldn't work. Glue an ND filter to you. I never yeah, go far um, without those ND. If MD, you're
1: physically MD changing that aperture yeah. on the aperture ring, it shouldn't make any then it should be fine if you perhaps if you have the aperture lock on and you're using uh you know an auto one of the auto systems auto um modes then you know that might be overriding it but i don't think so i mean if you're shooting video you're doing it all manually probably so yeah
0: i don't yeah knowing knowing matt i can't imagine that he'd be using auto systems for no
1: no 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 i wouldn't have thought so no in <laughs> fact he says here now i had see 4k 24p Auto ISO, but that's fine. Uh, shutter of 150. Wonder, do I, do I, let me try and find my XH1, Kev. I bet it's in the house. Hold on. What have
0: I put it in here? Oh, here it is. And he said 1855, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's turn this on. Let's recreate. What What did he say? He had auto ISO. What else did he have? 4K.
1: 4K, 24p. 24p. 150th. No problem at all. 16. In video mode. I'm in video. Yeah. Press record. Yeah. It's not stopped it. It's not changed it to F. Uh, something else on the on the um, heads up on the LCD. Hold <laughs> on. Let's try and force something else.
0: No, I don't appear to be having a problem with that, Kev.
1: Yeah, good man. It was either the main you were on is wrong. Yeah. Or maybe the cagool you were wearing was broke or something like that. Maybe I would imagine. Definitely not the camera and lens combination. Oh, I think You've got
0: gremlins under the bonnet. You have. Right. Um, sorry about that. We weren't any help with that.
1: Well, we were. We proved that, <laughs> that it works yeah. on your system. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bill Hartley. Right. We've just got enough time before we go to today's guest. Um, hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Hopefully this transfusion of email, oh, blimey, will reach you guys in time before the podcast flatlines. Um, well, that was a few weeks ago now, wasn't it? We, we did actually manage to pick up some some, some good questions. Mm. Um, following the article on camera bag security, I'd like to uh, comment on the Kensington lock. Oh, yeah, we talked about that, didn't we, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, it's strong and durable, and I've used it to secure my pelly case in the boot of my car by attaching it to a suitable piece of metal. However, the Kensington lock, as used on laptops and computers, etc., itself is readily picked. You may wish not to say how, but he had told me how you do it.
1: Hmm. I shouldn't wonder where my laptop went yesterday.
0: <laughs> By the soft, the lock and twisting method is oh god! Right, okay, it's uh right. I'm not even going to say where he where he managed to get that method from. No. I use this sort of Kensington lock. He sent me a picture, but with the use of a decent padlock, I can secure the case as a budget option. As per most security measures, the budget option won't survive a, um, a, you know, a full on attack cable cutters, paper, rock, etc., etc. But, um, yeah, that's worrying that it's that easy to do. But That's probably a good warning to those that are using that system, though.
1: Yeah, uh, well, maybe. But then also, you know, many car companies are easy to, you know, use your car key, you get the AA, they come with a, a tool, don't they, and they just open your car for you. I think a lot of these, anything that's a physical lock is probably pickable in some way.
0: I remember having, there was a, um, well, it doesn't matter now, it was a, it was a, um, a certain Voxel years ago that was, was so easily done by just somebody putting a screwdriver in and turning and i thought that can't be that simple but it was mm-hmm. I mean, fortunately things have changed somewhat but yeah. but you're right i mean if somebody really wants to take your stuff they've got some wire clippers or whatever they'll they'll just have it won't they mm-hmm. you don't know you don't in terms of security and we've talked about that we i think we mentioned it then there are some photographers um, that uh, actually wrap their cables now round things like uh, like radiators, etc. To, to so you know so people can't just wander off with their kit. But you, you you don't generally do that though, do you? But you don't carry that much, though, do you?
1: Uh, no, exactly. I don't carry that much. And if I'm, I mean, generally, I know where the ki- the kit is and I can see it, and you know, or it's in the storage cupboard at the hotel or something you know i don't i don't just kind of leave it on a wall outside the front of the hotel but yeah i don't really go down the route i I, you know if i if i was in a situation where you know it my bag was had to be a long way away from where we were then perhaps i would think a little bit twice but no normally what i do is is just sling it over my shoulder as i'm I'm moving between the venues and moving between the rooms just shove it under a table that's normally what I do.
0: have you ever used the usher to be a camera (laughs) camera bag person i have I always think I've always thought, you know, there's there's no coincidence that the uh, the word usher has the same letter um, starting it as the word useless. And and I, I like I like to find useless or three, a job during the day because, you know, what they're like, they're just, you know, they've got a spreadsheet, but they don't they don't they don't act on any of it. <laughs> Uh, but they've turned up with their nice suits and they drink beer. So I like to give them a couple of jobs during the day, and of, often
1: being a camera bag wielder is one of those. But I say that I, you know, <laughs> in, if I'm in one venue all day, you don't need. I don't, to. Even, no. I don't even have a bag. You know, I have my, i have my little pouch, which is a, a um, it's actually a RFID protected thing. That's it's meant to be for pocket cameras, but I use that, so I have that on my belt. That has my um, spare batteries in it. Yep. A couple of spare memory cards, although I never change memory cards anymore. Um, I have my two cameras with me, one lens, one lens on each, and that's it. I, I often don't even take the bag in. So you've got, you know, you're it's,
0: like, it's, like a utility belt. You look
1: like Batman. It's not as tiny. It's like it's smaller than a mobile phone. It just sits oh, there. Oh, Yeah.
0: Well,
1: so, what about, remember, so... all I'm sticking in there is two batteries and, and a uh, you know, two memory cards. I don't want to tempt fate here, and I'm being very careful when I say this,
0: but... Obviously, leaving stuff in cars is not a great idea, though, is it? Because your insurance only covers you to a certain amount. I know we have the same insurance company. And uh, my understanding of it is that um, you're only covered up to certainly not the amount of kit that you would keep in a car.
1: Well, I think think mine covers, you know, all all I've got in the car is a spare camera and a couple of lenses and bits and pieces like that. So, you know, it's going to be like an X-Pro2. Or X100, in, maybe.
0: In terms of security, do you ever <laughs> uh, are you careful about returning to your car? The, this is a loaded question. Mm,
1: no,
0: because you know the the um, the photographer that I know. I don't, I don't want to say the name now, but I think I may have told the story with his name, um, who returned to his car, which essentially acted as a beacon, because it was clear he was the photographer and uh, he was seen by somebody in this big car park. He was obviously waiting for for wedding guests, and this is not an unusual thing. You know, wedding guests tend to take nice things to parties, uh, including overnight bags and prezzies and stuff like that. And he was just waiting to see who would go to a car, and and then this photographer's car was raided and all the stuff nicked.
1: Yeah, I mean that's really unfortunate, isn't it? Really, really horrible thing. Yeah. Um, but no, these aren't things that go through my mind, and you know, again, I don't want to tempt fate either, but. No. You know, if, if if you had contingency for everything that's ever gone wrong to a wedding photographer, mm. you'd have no time to do any photos. <laughs> do you mean you don't have your contingency pack? Well, yeah, I've got have- a spare wedding dress in my car. <laughs> um, I, I've taken crochet lessons. <laughs> um I... I know how to, uh, you know, I've got some special (laughs) liquid that I can uh, put in my mouth and suck red wine off the back of a wedding dress. Um, I've totally forgotten my
0: cameras today, though, but it's all good. Kev, surely things like, you know, your wheel changing kit. So you put your little overall on and you've got your rubber gloves. Have you got your wheel changing
1: kit? No, no, I always take a man from the AA with me to every wedding just in case.
0: I know you are right. You can't. You can't possibly be. You know, be prepared for everything. Well, that's the Boy Scouting law, wasn't it? Be prepared. Uh, right. Let's. Uh, enough of this. Let's get to our guest this week, and it's a, a revisit to a, an American wedding photographer and Fujifilm ambassador. Now, uh, Reggie Ballesteros, who, who, when I last spoke to him, was in the midst of making the switch from Nikon to Fujifilm and the XT3 in particular. Uh, we get. Uh, we get quite a few. Should I make the shift or? Even though I have Fuji, I'm not sure I'm ready to make the complete jump mails and questions. So we thought it was timely to to reference a guest who's not just made the switch, but gone on to represent the brand too as a, an ambassador. Uh, though we'll not be talking about that as such today. This is more a chat to find out the, the whys of changing, which for once is not actually about the, the compactness of the system, as you'll find out. So we talk dynamic range, we talk his recipes for working with skin tones and so on. He has subsequently released the presets he mentions and he has moved into the X-T4 of late too. But this is a timely chat, as I say, to address the messages we receive about switching, about changing across and the inevitable questions photographers ask themselves. Here's Reggie Bean. So, Reggie, congrats on the YouTube channel, which is which is growing fast, isn't it? The Fujifilm community seems to have really embraced you. You must be really happy about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, so when, when the X-T3 came out, um, I was really inspired by, you know, the fact that it has such, you know, powerful video capability, and, you know, having been interested in YouTube and kind of like the strategy behind it, um, I kind of jumped on knowing that the X-T3 was going to be a very niche audience, um, and I started trying to push out content just to to help others who either just got an X-T3 or maybe considering switching from a different system to the X-T3, especially working through all the problems that I had coming from a Nikon system to Fuji. And, yeah, I'm pretty excited that it's... It, it's, it, it caught on a lot more than I thought, just because Wedding photography is really my primary focus. It's growing a lot faster than I had expected, but I'm definitely i um, excited to kind of help others out in their journey to Fuji. So,
0: look, we've chatted with photographers who've come over from Canon, and uh, we even had a Canon ambassador on the show. But uh, but not specifically yet. From I'm going to keep I'm going to try not to say Nikon because that's how we say it in the UK. It's Nikon. I've got to say Nikon, <laughs> but not specifically yet from, from Nikon. Um, what was the what was the first Fujifilm camera you picked up and why was that?
2: Um, the first Fujifilm camera that I purchased was the X100S back in 2014, and it was actually a wedding gift for my wife. Um, so she and she and I both had photography interests. but she always had more interest in the classical like you know film style range style range finder style cameras and i thought that you know as a travel camera it would be a perfect camera for her to kind of use and she absolutely loved it she loved she hated the evf she wanted to use the optical viewfinder all the time and i would i would borrow the camera a little bit and use the evf she's like why is this on just because it's she really likes the classical framing of a viewfinder and just kind of like catching the moment and you know um so that's, that's, that's where my Fujifilm kind of uh, experience started was, was, yeah, with the X100S.
0: One of the things I noted on the film that you made about your switch across from Nikon is that the Fujifilm gear you've now selected now actually weighs more than, than that that you were carrying around before. Um, yeah. Now, you do kind of answer the question in, in, in the, the film, but for those that haven't seen the film, so why that switch? Because for most people... It's the weight, isn't it? Initially, it's the weight.
2: Yeah, yeah. Definitely, and, and that's one thing that I wanted just to keep it honest, because I, I, I'm part of a lot of Fujifilm Facebook groups, and everyone has these specific reasons why they switch over to Fujifilm, and directly for wedding photography, when I'm out in the field on a wedding day, I do not really strive for a lightweight kit, I want to go for ergonomics or quickness, um, you know, so I opt for having the battery grip, just so that it can balance better with the large aperture glass. And as far as the lens selection goes, I, I really like to go for the brands basically, kind of like flagship or you know they're very famous uh lenses for their character um so typically on nikon i was shooting with a 20 28 millimeter uh 1.4 a 58 millimeter 1.4 and a 105 millimeter 1.4 but they didn't have any direct equivalents in the in the crop sensor like uh, field of view for those lenses so i kind of opted to have a little bit more more range so i had um you know the 16 millimeter 1.4 is really 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 awesome lens on Fuji. It's pretty much my favorite lens just because of how focused, how close it focuses. Um, but it didn't really give me all the range that I needed to. You know I was going from um, 20. Uh, actually, sorry, I had a 20 20 millimeter 1.8 as well on the on the wide end for Nikon. So I needed to try to bridge all that range, but I. I couldn't really settle on just having like a 16 millimeter and a 35. Um, I, I still wanted that in between range to get closer to a 20, 28 millimeter f- full frame equivalent. So um, I, I opted for having more lenses, so the 16, the 23, the 35. The 56 obviously because that's a very great portraiture lens it's also a very great documentary lens as far as kind of taking a step back to pull those candid moments and then i have the 90 millimeter f2 just for the sake of having reach if i need it i actually don't pull it out that much during the wedding day but it's it's basically my emergency range lens um, i don't personally use zoom lenses so that's why you don't see me having the 50 to 140 millimeter zoom lens um but yeah it's it's it 's more of a at this point, I was adjusting to the system um, and trying to figure out which lenses I could kind of part with um, and i 'm still you know the, between the twenty three millimeter and the thirty five millimeter one point four i still can 't figure out which one i 'd rather just leave at home to to make it lighter so I, I take I take all of them and it ends up being like a smidge heavier than the Nikon system that I had. Um, but at, at the end of the day, the, the weight savings on the wedding day wasn't really a factor for me just because I am younger. Um, and I do have a, uh, a whole fast sling, um, that I carry two bodies with. So it's not really an issue for me as far as weight. It was more about having the ergonomics and just, um, being able to not have to switch the batteries out as fast just because the battery life of like, I think two Fujifilm batteries is closer to like one of Nikon's versus yeah, yeah. It, it it's just something that I didn't want to have to worry about. So for me, um, my biggest, one of my biggest motivators for making this, it wasn't really a switch, it was more because I already had a full, pretty much full Fujifilm kit was to condense my Uh, systems down to one just because i noticed that when i was out shooting every single day documenting my family going out for travel um, i was using the fujifilm system and getting very familiar with the controls and just using an evf really using the evf was something that i was almost relying on
0: i want to come back to the nikon just for a moment the d750 is known for for the absolutely incredible dynamic range there's no doubt about that um it, it had and still has for those who use it i know people that that use it and love it and would would never never part with it you, you, you know you'd have to pay them a lot of money to part with it and they
2: probably wouldn't even do it then
0: <laughs> yeah so has the dynamic range thing really worked out for you because of course there's a
2: yeah. difference yeah I mean if you if you ask somebody who's a true like Fuji fan um, that's like the only camera that they love and use they might say oh it's ju- it's just as good as the Nikon D750 if not better no regrets but for me personally I've used them out in the field on professional settings and it's definitely isn't the same with um, with an icon you could underexpose a ISO 3200 photo and still be able to push it up a couple stops without any real noise reduction needed um, You can just shoot correctly exposed at ISO 3200 on the Fuji if you're dealing with the RAWs, and you're going to have to introduce a little bit of noise reduction. It was something that I was not very familiar with with my current Nikon workflow, so just being able to embrace that I needed to add some noise reduction, I needed to adjust the sharpening, I needed to adjust the masking and all that stuff was something that I had to get used to. But um, I think with the EVF, It kind of helped me to not have to rely on underexposing with a Nikon. You know, you're 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 using a DSLR, which you can't really preview the exposure or have even a live histogram showing when you're shooting, Um, especially those very fleeting moments where the the lighting is all changing. But with the EVF, you can already preview that, and you can make sure your exposure, you know, is very is very close to accurate without even so that you don't have to do any adjusting in post. So I think the EVF has countered counter the fact that the dynamic range is there especially because of the evf has a histogram as well as the highlight warnings as far as um my approach goes i don't underexpose on nikon i would underexpose just by default so but you know with fuji i'm always trying to correct uh, expose very correctly and if i'm going to underexpose on purpose for me personally i i only do that at the base iso Um, a, a lot of people say that the sensor technology you can do it at like ISO 800 or something, but for me, it doesn't seem to be as clean as just doing base ISO. At base ISO, you can push back the shadows maybe two and a half stops at most, but you're going to have to put some noise reduction. But you know, for the most part, um, a lot of my clients are consuming their their photos on in the digital realm. So whether it be on you know a website or their their Instagram or something like that, and it's only. For me, just because of the age demographic of my clients, the printing is is something that I'm trying to get more people to do. As far as the printing and the albums go, but for the most part, um, you know, nitpicking based on you know 100 zooming for a print is not as big of a concern for me than something that looks great on you know Instagram or Facebook at this point.
0: San Francisco is a is a lot sunnier than the UK. I can tell you that. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes, yes. One, yes, <laughs> one yes. of
0: the things I first noticed. When using a Fujifilm camera again against the, I'm going again again against the canons, is the the sheer difference in how details are registered on those those exceptionally hot days. You know, when, how how are you opening up these shadows?
2: I actually made a video on this if people want to check it out. But um, the way that I maximize the dynamic range for um, shooting against the sunlight for the most part is one, you gotta light it properly. Um, you have to be, you, you can't just put them in full shadow and just hope it's gonna. It's gonna you know it's gonna come back you have to be kind of understanding like what type of shot you're gonna take but if I'm going to take a shot that I'm gonna rely on bringing it back in post um, one thing I do is I put it in bracket mode um, which is super super nice on the Xt3 you can bracket at the lame 11 frames per second and I'll bracket the shot um, at base ISO and then from there I'll kind of play with each file to see which one has the most um, information and then in Lightroom I actually use a graduated I think it's called it, a yeah, graduated filter to um, underexpose the sky a little bit and bring back the exposure of the subject and kind of brush it out. Um, and I kind of overview that technique in one of my um, YouTube videos of maximizing the dynamic range of a Fuji system.
0: One, one thing you said on, on your film is that um, you had to make a lot of changes to your photography style in order to embrace the X-T3. And I think, I think we're, we're establishing that as we're chatting now. Um, so, so to embrace that camera as your main pro camera body now, that you've you've had to you've had to adapt the way that you work. Now, for some people, that would be a Reggie. That would be a strange way round <laughs> because um, changing your changing your style for a camera, um, not changing a camera to suit your style.
2: Uh, for me, like the one thing that I think is is immensely helpful is that it's it's gonna expose my mistakes a lot. So if I make a mistake in composition with lighting or anything, the X-T3 is not going to forgive me for that. And as a wedding photographer, after being in a wedding photographer for five years, I felt like it's a great next step for me to up my game as far as composition and lighting go because I cannot make mistakes with that. And I do feel that I have enough experience to kind of in the field be able to adjust and know when I'm making th- that mistake because of the EVF. Um, so as far as, you know, with depth of field, even if you have a shallow depth of field sub- uh, photo on a full frame, um, if your composition is bad, it's still going to be bad. It's just blurred out a little bit more so people can't notice it. But on the Fuji, um, you- you're going to, if you have like a distracting line right bef- behind the couple's head or something, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be obvious. Um, so the EVF will help you kind of see that. But at the same time, once you nail a really good framing of your subject on um on a crop sensor. It's gonna look awesome just because everything is so sharp, everything is gonna be more focused. Those shapes that you're using to frame the subject are gonna be more bold and that's something that's really I think for me that um I've really been happy with uh my photos coming out. They I have... I don't think there's a big shift in my style. I think it's just shifted in the way that I want it to evolve.
0: It just just finally, there's one, one. well, it's not just one thing. There's many things, many things that I've noticed about, about your work that I like. Um, the skin tones. You have a particularly good skin tone across all your mm. your photographs. Um just, just take me through that process just a little bit. I, I know that you're going to be releasing these presets, yeah. so you can't, you can't divulge <laughs> yeah. too many details. But just take me a little bit through that and, and, and how you found that change. Because I think for a lot of people, that's the hardest thing when they swap from Nikon or Canon or whatever they're swapping from.
2: Yeah. Um, but one thing that I've noticed that when you switch to any camera system, or if, for example, when you shoot with a second shooter who doesn't shoot with your camera system, that camera calibration panel the one at the all the way bottom that no one really messes with that really helps to kind of bridge whatever camera brand you are using to match your current style Um, and I do a lot of adjustment with that they have a shadow highlight and like these saturation curves in there just it's different from the HSL it's more just about a global color shift for that sensor Um, and I mess with down that around quite a bit. So when I ported over my preset to Fujifilm, that was where most of the work was going into. And then as far as my skin tones go, I mean, to be honest, being a portrait and winning photographer, that is pretty much what I'm dialing it every single time I edit a photo. If it's not a very pulled back conceptual photo, um, I'm always spending most of my brain power making sure that the skin tones are just right. So that comes a lot with, you know, the white balance. And then if there's a little bit too harsh red or, you know, some types of green hints in the skin tones, I might adjust the HSL just a little bit to kind of fix those. Um, but it's, mm. it's something that I uh, thank you for saying that just cause that makes me feel a little bit better about myself, but it's something that I pride myself in trying to m- make sure that when I edit to always make sure the skin tones are looking great just because you know i i photograph mostly humans and people so it's, it's my job to make them look their best so i, I want to make sure their skin doesn't look like an alien or something like that so
0: <laughs> well I, pr- I promise you it works really really well um reggie we're going to share your links on the um on not only the well on the fujicast website but of, of course on, on some of the apps that you listen to your podcast through you'll also see these links as well um, thank you very, very much for your time. Um, your work is incredible. Really, really in, in, enjoyed having a chat with you. And, and you know, one of the wonderful things about this podcast is, is linking up with people all around the world, such as uh, such as yourself. I know Kevin. Kevin takes the. The rise out of me constantly for getting excited about talking <laughs> to anybody from any other country, yeah. but I, but, but I actually think that's one of the greatest things about the community of YouTube, and your and your YouTube channel is is growing for that reason that you're such a such a you know uh, an approachable person it seems on on screen, and uh, long may that that rain and i'm hoping the channel just goes from strength to strength reggie awesome
2: thank you thank you so much for having
0: me neil uh thanks to reggie ballesteros aka reggie b for his time today and we'll leave a link in the show notes if you want to see more or hear more of reggie as his uh, youtube channel too is starting to to now gain some momentum and talking of hearing more if you want uh, more mullins you can every thursday uh, he swaps camera for headphones and a can or two of the show sponsors special incapable staircase Porton Hill Estate wine in a can. Drink responsibly kids. As at 3.30 UK time, he becomes country boyo for an internet radio show that embraces Kev's love for country music. Uh, we'll link, as ever, in the show notes. Or if you already know of IncapableStaircase.com, uh, you know where to find him Thursday at 3.30pm. And then on Friday, it's my own podcast, which is, uh, on all podcast players, just search up Photography Daily. We take a, a Friday photo walk, as ever, just you, just me, with our cameras, me with a microphone as well, and a mailbag full of inspiration from those who make pictures or have an interest in, in photography. This week we're on the Isle of Wight, the southern island just off the coast of England, not the one where trawlemen are throwing insults at each other uh, from two different countries, move on, but the quiet place that in parts, time seems to have quite forgotten. We talk about woodland photography, how a return to making pictures rescue one listener from a dark place, uh, becoming a, an animal photo journalist and the conversation about making pictures of children if you're a street photographer continues a debate that's been building on the on the show plus this week we're joined by british fashion and portrait photographer rankin the founder of dazed and confused famously known for his pictures of bowie Madonna and Queen Elizabeth II, also known to be a, a cultural disruptor, is Rankin. He is known for his forthrightness. A
1: lot of people, when they become successful initially, that's kind, of, they believe their own hype and you pump it up and inflate it. And I mean, I just think that there's a part of me that's just, you know, a kid from a working class family who've done well. Who never had anybody really be successful. So I was always going to be a bit of
2: a a bad, you know, I was always not, I was never going to deal with that particularly well.
0: That's ranking on Photography Daily this coming Friday. Available wherever you get your podcasts or on photographydaily.show. Right. Back to your questions. Um, We've got Tickety Boo coming up soon, which is our book of the week. Book of the week. Tickety Tickety Boo. Tickety Boo. Sounds How are you like feeling today? Tickety-boo. It also sounds like the train thing. Tickety-boo, tickety-boo,
1: tickety-boo. So no, that's the tickety-booth. That's ticket. where you go and get your tickets. <laughs> where are you going to buy now? I'm going to buy the tickety-booth.
0: Sounds like a, a station somewhere in Wales, doesn't it? Tickety-booth. <laughs> um, right, Helen Fennel. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I haven't heard from Helen for ages. I know. I love Helen. Hello, yeah. Helen hope all is well thank you for the for the podcast you know how it goes now i'm commuting to an office again the podcast keeps me company on the journey to and from work i did actually funnily enough notice uh, that there was a, an uptick in the uh, in the audience levels when we got back to normal working again in september and people seem to be going back to work listening in cars and
1: trains yeah. So, yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense doesn't it yeah over lockdown
0: i've been contemplating photographic genres. I love looking at documentary photography, uh, the range of topics and ideas which opens windows onto worlds I'm unlikely to encounter myself is fascinating. It's a very good reason to to follow documentary. I have, however, come to the conclusion that as much as I love this genre, I am terrible at it myself, a bit like singing. I shall not subject the world to my efforts, but uh, shall enjoy the work of those more talented in that area than myself. Or you can just sh- sort of sing in the shower. Uh, and th- Everybody sounds like Robbie Williams in the shower, don't they? I wonder mm-hmm. whether there are any genres you love, but uh, you know you're not, it's not going to be your own photographic strong point. Sending best wishes on the 654 to London Waterloo.
1: You're not standing <laughs> Six up. 654. 654. Oh that,
0: that must bring back memories for you, Kev,
1: that sort of journey. Yeah, well, I used to get the 5.40 train. What, to London Waterloo? To Paddington. To Paddington. Yeah, from Kemble to Paddington, 5.40. 5.40, God.
0: What time did you get up for that then, Kev?
1: It's a 20-minute drive to Kemble, so 5.40. I'd probably be getting up about quarter to five, jump in the shower really quickly, and then in in the car, yeah. Blimey. Yeah, it was awful. Well, all those people in Malmesbury Valley,
0: like James Dyson, don't you lot just all have helicopters?
1: <laughs> he doesn't go in his helicopter anymore, does he? He stopped going after um, who was it? Somebody after the Leicester, the Leicester owner. Oh, something. terrible!
0: But is that the reason he stopped? It wasn't because he was outed because of the the green or the not so green nature of it.
1: No, I don't think so. I think it was that um, he used to fly over our house every day, twice a day. He only yeah. lives about eight miles away, and he used to come to work every day in a helicopter. Yeah. So now we see him zooming around town in his. Uh, he has a driver, but his uh, you know posh whatever he's got. He must have an electric car, surely. Yeah, maybe it is. I don't know.
0: Dyson, of course, were working on one, weren't they? Apparently.
1: It, weren't no, they, they were, yeah, but then they stopped.
0: Do you remember when I, I came to stay that, that time and I stayed in the hotel? What's the hotel that I stay in when I come to your place? Um, uh, did you
1: stay in the Rosen Crown? It could have been the Rosen oh. Crown. It
0: I wasn't th- the Old Bell, was it?
1: Uh,
0: oh, no, not the Old Bell. That's the expensive one, isn't it? The
1: one just yeah. <laughs> right there. <yeah. laughs> A friend of mine was. <laughs> Uh, I was going to go and stay. They've got new owners now. The old bar—it's really nice. It is really nice. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely uh, place. And yeah, uh, yeah. He, he was going to look at a hotel room, but it was eight hundred and seventy quid. <laughs> oh
0: one my night. word! What do you get for eight hundred quid? Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, that's what I was thinking. No, my one was considerably less than that. But I went down to breakfast in the morning, and it was a very, very, very quiet room. But there was one guy that was obviously working on uh, on Dyson stuff, and I just felt after a while I should say hello to him because it was a, a awkward thing. You know, all right, sniffing a bit, you know, all right. And uh, I I I asked him what you know. Um, I said, "You are traveling here? You doing what? What are you, are you working?" Turned out that he was. Um, Due to talk to James Dyson about um, about batteries, but then he couldn't tell me any more. And I said,
1: "Oh, oh is yeah, that is all top secret." Is
0: that about cars? He said, well, "Probably said too much." And he sort of finished his toast and ran off.
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> that whole period was really weird because there was people. They moved. Uh, they bought They bought the old airfield then at Halavington, Put a big wall up. Right. And uh, and a whole load of people because I know a lot of people who work at Dyson were were like um, going to work down at Halabington and it was like oh you are you doing the same thing no not really oh <laughs> what, what are you doing down there then oh just something different <laughs> <laughs> you don't buy
0: an airfield if you're making more hoovers or should I no. say hoovers vacuum no. vacuums do you you're and then obviously gave it up anyway so it yeah. all came back <laughs> uh, well anyway back to Helen's question documentary photography. I suppose the thing about documentary photography, and I know that she said, um, you were very, very honest, Helen. I'm terrible at it myself, she said. But of course, there are many genres within documentary. See, I would love to do the sort of the hard-hitting documentary, but I, I don't know whether I've got the personal guts to do it. I think I'd have the skill, but along with that comes the, you know, a great deal of courage. I'm not sure I've got that courage. But document there's lots of different, bits of documentary i mean some people do documentary and it's it's more about objects isn't it not about people at all
1: yeah no listen i, I the, the thing that i pricked my ears when that when uh, i read that email when you just read that email was that you know helen said she's not very good at it mm. um and and that that that's so subjective so so subjective mm. you don't have to be good at something if you're enjoying it okay that's you know if you if you get personal uh reward from it then that's all that's that matters really there was a thread on on the facebook group the other day about street photography um you know with some very valid points and you know people saying that you know it's people walking down the street and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with so that. So in what respect, people
0: it. walking down the street, what, what do you mean? That it's just just snaps of people just, on just the street? People are, yeah, just right, people.
1: Okay. And, and that's true. But at the same time, you know, if that's what you're interested in or that's what you enjoy doing or that's mm. what you enjoy looking at, that's what you enjoy putting on your website, etc. Then, you know, there's nobody nobody should be there to judge that, I don't think, uh, personally. No, that's not to say that, you know, that's, that's an excuse or a crutch to say that, well, you know, I should be a Magnum photographer because y- y- you know I'm taking pictures of people walking down the street, and 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 they're good people. Pictures of people walking down the street. That's not the, that's not the point. But documentary. When we get to the book in a moment, the tickety Boo stuff. You know, you know, there's pictures in there that are very much snapshots, but it's definitely documentary. It's made a book. Um, you know, he's a very well established photographer who's made an entire career out of this kind of yeah. stuff. Yes, of course. If you hold yourself up to, uh, you know, to to the candle of the established or the illumination of the, the established um, documentary photographers out there. Yeah, you're going to look at that and think, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do something like that. But then at the beginning, they probably thought the same thing. You know, I, I think I said it last week. It's that that whole thing. I'm as, I'm absolutely very guilty of this. Putting yourself in the situation of being able to do something uh, or start something, the greatest barrier to getting something done is just starting it, isn't it? As soon as you start it, you'll roll with it. Yeah um and i you know i'm just slapping myself on the wrist with this because i have a whole load of things that i'd love to get on with and i'm forever put barriers what the do way. you mean projects uh, that's due, due that's to, ultimately it yeah, right. you know especially something like that's very much open to interpretation it's not about being good at it or bad at it it's yeah. about producing something that you think is important you know as i as i said many many times a picture doesn't have to be good it just needs to be important and you know i stand by that
0: peter i'm going to prescribe you a book uh, by peter fraser that helen i think you're a member of uh, the Patronage, anyway, on on uh, on photography daily, and we we talked about this book called Two Blue Buckets. Have you ever read Two Blue Buckets or seen Two Blue Buckets by Peter Fraser,
1: Kev? No, no. So I mean, he that.
0: Peter Fraser is is a is a well established, well known. Well, he's a very good documentary photographer and art photographer and and the book is called two blue buckets and it really is it's just observations of stuff if i randomly choose a i've just got the book here randomly choose a page it's the end of a bit of steel tubing or here we are steamed up window on a on a cold day a picture that he's seen, a road sign that says Dark Lane, just happens to be taken in the dark, surrounded by a greenery. It's just observations rather than thinking, right, this needs to be, as you say, the next Magnum classic. Hmm. And that that's by a well-established photographer, Peter Fraser. Uh, Pyle,
1: yeah, I'm looking at that now, that book, Two Blue Buckets. Two Blue Buckets. It took me quite a while to find it on Amazon because Please. I kept getting... I typed in two blue buckets. I kept getting bucket
0: you, do. <laughs> Actually, yeah, mop, a, you mop and bucket. <laughs> you do. You get a lot of that before you get to the book. Um, but what What about... Um, Helen also asked, is is there genres or are there genres that you you would like to do, Kev, that you're not? Genres that you love but you know you're... you're ah, no. Genres you love but you know are never going to be your photographic strong point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't overly thought this through, but, yeah, I mean, I would... You know, I'd love to be, uh, believe it or not, I'd love to be able to, to do, you know, very, very high end, um, portraiture. Mm -hmm. I love love some of the stuff, some of the stuff like Wayne Johns, producers and people like that. You know, I love all of that. I don't think I ever would ever have the creativity, the knowledge of lighting, the retouching skills. I mean, we'll say in that, yeah, you know, no, that's it's just not true, is it? Because. I can learn lighting just like Wayne learned lighting. I can learn retouching. I could do it. And, I, you know, here I am putting another barrier in front of me. We'll take a,
0: a leaf so, out of a photographer like Dan Winters' book. I mean, Dan Winters is an extraordinarily good portrait photographer over, over in America with all those marvellous pictures of people like Tom Hanks. And uh, he subscribes to the, I just move my lights around till it looks good. <laughs> um, th- yeah, well, thought, well, that's it. I'm sure it's not there's quite, a lot of quite like that. smoke and
1: mirrors but, in the world of photography. Yeah. <laughs> Um,
0: but but I mean I, I know Dan is a lot more skilled than that but there was an interview that he did with somebody where where that's what he said I just
1: moved them around until you know yeah, but, but it's true and you you will find a lot of the the people that have done well in their careers from photography are honest you know they're, they're just honest about it I mean you know you listen to a David Bailey interview yeah you know and he's he's just like this it's just you know i just use his camera to take pictures <laughs> you know he, he doesn't care about the camera or anything and and <laughs> yeah that's it isn't it it's just a tool you know it's you don't have to be and i'm trying to be careful how to phrase this now it's not like you need a degree or you need to be a super brain to to be a photographer you know it's not you know you need to be a certain level of educated personage to be a brain surgeon for example yeah Uh, not everybody can just be a brain surgeon. But, you know, I don't think you can class photography in that establishment. There's a lot, there's a hell of a lot of who you know that goes on as well. Mm. Um, you know, for example, I'm going to be doing, uh, hopefully, pretty soon, some uh behind the scenes works with uh a band, a music band, and doing their album cover and things like that. And that's entirely, entirely because um, you know, I've stuck some stuff on Twitter about my radio show. Um, you know, and and then, you know, we we struck up a conversation and it, and so and it, you know, we had a mutual friend and it's who you know. Uh, you know, and that's that'll be great because I, you know, I'd really love to get into that. I mean they're not a big band or anything. I mean we're not gonna be going around the world and touring and all that stuff. But but they do, do gigs and they you know I will be doing the behind the scenes stuff and you know, going to the pub with them afterwards, taking pictures, all that kind of stuff. That's great. That's what I'm really looking forward to. But you don't need to be a brain surgeon to, to you know, to do that. You just need to know the right people. In many cases, rock and roll, Kev. Rock and roll.
0: Yeah. If you, um, Yeehaw, more it, like. If you, ah, oh, oh, I wondered if you were going to get into rock music and pop as well. If you, if you happen to be popping into Brian Adams at any stage to do his pictures, can you remind him he owes me twenty quid? <laughs> yeah, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> right, yeah. tickety boo. Book of the week.
1: Tickety-boo. Right, here we go. Tickety-boo. So, um, Tickety-boo, it's square and yellow, and on the front, in red words, it says Tickety-boo. It's a hardback. I'll read the blurb. I'll read the blurb. It's literally just been released. So, uh, Tickety-boo is a block of a book. It's reasonably blockish, with more than 200 images edited from smartphone photographs taken during Charles H. Traub's everyday ramblings over the last four years. Yeah. The English expression tickety-boo loosely translates as everything is okay, but maybe everything isn't. There you go. That's what I thought. Ah. Therein lies the enigmatic crux of the images contained in this book. The smartphone is an ingenious companion that readily makes a photographic response by Traub, quick and unobtrusive. A third eye, if you will. A stream of consciousness flows in his response to places, things, and people that catches eclectic whimsy. Uh, That's nice, isn't it? Eclectic whimsy. I think I might have an eclectic whimsy. Um, I certainly had it once, I'd go to the doctors. Uh, his subjects are ambiguous and out of context, yet once organised together within this book, create a kind of pictorial completeness, both soothing and disquieting. The photographs in each spread vividly amplify each other, leading the viewer to the next sequence. The mundane becomes animated, and in the end, this is a book about the delirious conditions of our time. That, I think, is the best blurb I've read. I love that. Uh, the mundane becomes animated, and in yeah. the end, this is a book about the delirious conditions of our time. What do yeah. you think about that, Neil? Yeah,
0: I think it's I, yeah, it's museum worthy. That isn't it? Yeah.
1: Um, right. So, okay. So, first of all, uh, have you ever heard of Charles Traub? No, I haven't. So he is. I'd come across his work before because I've seen uh, similar m- books to this. I've never. I, this is the only book of his I have. Um, but yeah, he's quite a well-established um, photographer. He's probably, I would say, he's probably in his seventies now. Okay. American, yeah, he's an American photographer, Mm. Um, but yeah, he's not—you know—he's—he's not the first name that will trip off most people's tongues. But he is a—he is—he's got a Wikipedia entry, put it that way. And literally, it's just images. There's like next to no text. You have the entry page and all that kind of stuff. It just says these smartphone images were taken between 2016 and 2021, anywhere and everywhere. There you go, and that's the the brutality of it. We open up with a, a um so the no open, no you
0: know, no rules, kev at all. You know, it's just no seasons. rules. No. Yeah,
1: but we we it's true what the um what the blurb says. You know, and this is this is uh, I think uh, something that's important for people who are thinking about making their own books because each image does lead into the next one. It's very 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 well curated. Ah, this book. okay, very well curated. So there is direction. There's direction throughout it all. So uh, for example, page three and four um page page three at first glance um i'm thinking it's a picture of a uh, somebody in a mask you know a face mask obviously yeah, yeah. during covid times which it is and i thought oh it's a nurse but then on closer in- inspection it's actually a photograph of his phone oh. he's doing a facetime with somebody right then the next page or another phone presumably then the next page is a set of blue gloves on a table in a, in a restaurant. Uh, I just that kind found
0: of this, I found this picture. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward a bit. There's a, there's a, a, a photo and these are all snapshots, but the cleverness of this is the way that they all interlink, yeah. um, of a, um, a statue with a big blue eye. And then the next page is some copper rings, uh, in a, in a, in a factory. So, you know, you have that circular approach to it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, some of the, some of the images actually are pretty wonderful, yeah, again, there's one of my favourite ones. is uh, it, It's a full bin in a tube station, right? Um, and you know the because of all the troubles that, that you know what they had in London with the um, yeah, IRA and they, all they that. They covered the those up ago,
0: for a long time. You couldn't find a bin, could you, in London?
1: That's right. They took the bins away. But now yeah. what they often do is they have transparent bags. So you just yes. have the bin rim at the top, and That's then right. hanging underneath is the all is the, a transparent all the stuff bin bag. So yeah. you can see all of the detrius of, of people's stuff in there. Mm. And I think that's really interesting. It's just a picture of that, you know, this this bag of rubbish. But actually, you know, you we walk past these things all the time, and you, you never think twice about them. But you know, it 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 makes quite an interesting image, I think. And then the pay, the image opposite is another hanging object. It's a bucket, <laughs> not a blue bucket. A blue. And bucket. there's only one of them. <laughs> um, but it's a bucket hanging on a wall. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's really 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 clever you know we kind of move through food and graffiti and 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 all of that kind of stuff it's
0: a really clever one of uh, of the uh, of the church with two spires on either side then the the opposite page has the spires are basically two Long walls and in between there's an open toilet, but actually mm. the mirroring
1: between the two is
0: is quite ingenious.
1: Yeah, it's very it's very very clever. Yeah. I mean, in some cases I, I'm looking at two different images and thinking they're one. Um, uh, yeah, there's this yeah. market store yeah. kind of um, yeah. scene where you know it just almost looks like it's the same picture, but it but it's not. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not not even taken near the same time. It's it's really 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 very. Uh, it's the curation in this book is the cleverness of it. Do you think um, he you went know. out looking for the images, knowing that
0: he had one and thought, right, what makes picture number two?
1: Well, I don't know. That's quite interesting, isn't it? I wouldn't have thought that he'd be possible for him to do that because, you know, you would just end up searching for something and it would take forever, but I suspect maybe he had, you know, on his because, of course, remember he did all this on his mobile phone, Yeah. he perhaps had folders or whatever that were blue, headwear, blue. another folder blue. that was light, another folder that was marketplaces, yeah, 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 yeah. another folder that might say rubbish, you, you know, rubbish yeah. as in um, litter, okay, uh, okay. you know, and so maybe as he was going along, he's, he's you know, and that's a great way of reminding yourself to, to search for stuff, isn't it? You oh, know, yeah. this is, again, something that we talk about all the time and it's if you give yourself a an an objective you you know something to look for you become an observer you know photography is about observing it's not about taking pictures it's about observing first and then pressing the button and anybody can press the button um you know so yeah having that kind of that's
0: yeah this is this is it seems equally like one of those happy accident projects where one day he thinks actually this all works beautifully together there's cohesion there's there's certainly a direction as, as you say it's well curated um never put your camera away
1: yeah i love it i mean you know i'm not saying none of these images would be able to be printed he's not going to be able to do a a large exhibition with this i wouldn't have Mm. thought because they're all taken on on uh, mobile phones but they look perfect in this book and it's it's really really interesting and actually this should be a galvanizing story for a lot of people i think because these essentially are hundreds 200 snapshots but with a thought process. Yes. And even like I say, I don't know how he's done it, but even if that thought process is simply he has folders on his phone for images that, that you know, he, he kind of sees, then, you know, he might be sitting down having a coffee, scrolling through those folders and thinking, right, okay, well, yeah, I haven't done many like statues for a while and statues is one of my folders. So I'm going to go out and look for a few statues. And then you become, like you say, you observe more, you see more, you enjoy it more, I think, rather than just wandering around thinking, no, oh, no. Yeah. Oh. There's nothing happening today, yeah. um, do and, you, and you know, did, in any sense, in any sense, you'd look at one of these pictures in isolation, yes. and probably think, uh, snap, "Yeah, I could have snap, taken that." Snap, yeah, you know, just, yeah. and yes, of course, because that's what they are—they are snapshots. But when they're but together, the cleverness of it well, is, yeah, in, is yeah. in its entirety. Yes. Do you use your your um, phone
0: much? Because and I, I know for a while you used your phone a lot, didn't you?
1: I do use my phone. I mean, I've got some pictures from my phone that are processed yeah absolutely um but i never really think of my phone you know i don't i don't think about going around taking pictures of my phone you know it's usually a, a situation that arises that i grab yeah. my phone out and take a picture of whatever's happening you know
0: tickety-boo it, it's, it's tickety-boo widely yeah tickety-boo it'll, it'll, charles
1: h Traub. it'll be
0: widely available i've seen prices on here in british terms anyway uh, anywhere from 23 pounds up to 35 pounds
1: well the rp on the back is 38 pounds right
0: oh ah, nice good one thank you very much kev um question tickety-boo yeah, it, it, tickety-boo. Yeah, tickety-boo um i didn't realize that it actually meant that um you're okay but it might not be okay i thought tickety-boo was yeah everything's firing on all cylinders thanks very much thanks for answering and asking rather and moving on
1: yeah i always assumed it was it was meant to be like a little tickety-boo. yeah i'm okay but don't ask me anything else kind of thing
0: uh, no i always thought it was more positive than that that kind of like uh, yeah cool everything's cool let's you know but, mm, uh, that's
1: my, it might be because i'm from wales and you know, it's everything's more depressing there. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Kev. Oh, right. Go on. Your question from the Facebook group. I think we've got time for a one or possibly two. We got time. Oh, we've got time uh, yeah. for one probably. If it's a, is it a QQ or an LQ? Uh,
1: it's an MQ, but it's relevant because it's about phones. Okay. So, uh Anthony Hibble, uh This question came in twelve weeks ago, and he says, uh "I'm sending a question while I'm on my holiday in southern Norfolk." So. Anthony, I hope you had a nice holiday 12 weeks ago in sunny Norfolk. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wants to make sure I took plenty of photos while away with the kids and yeah. packed my X100T. Yes. Uh, however, I have actually used my phone as a camera instead and have been really impressed with the quality of the photos. He says he has a Google Pixel 4a, which has worked in different light conditions, especially in the evenings. Obviously, the lack of manual settings is not as good as a real camera in inverted quotes, uh, but made me wonder if professional photographers like you guys use your phones at all when making photos, family holidays or maybe even on a job thanks for your awesome podcast listen to last week's episode on the way here and we'll be listening to monday's episode on the way back uh (laughs) which was 12 weeks ago okay
0: i'm glad i'm glad we got to you in a timely sense
1: yeah
0: (laughs) we get to everybody sooner or later we do we do um i do use um the phone actually for professional work but i tend to use it for video for professional work so it, it tends to be Sort of support material for some of the photo films I'm making, for example, because it's great just to, um, and and it's it's small that you can leave it in places to do like a um, a time lapse or something without engaging, having to engage your other cameras that you want to use. I, I use, for example, I've got a little um, a little knickknack where you can sort of bolt it. To, I've got a little bag of knickknacks where you can bolt it. Is it, it a knickknack paddywhack? Knickknack paddywhack. That you got it. Give the dog a Give bone. Give the dog a bone. <laughs> um, bag, and it's called exactly that. TM. And um, and it's got all sorts of stuff that I can use to secure this phone to different places. For example, um, on the photo film I made when I went out to a, a seafort, that would have been the one in the Solent, um, probably four years ago. But I remember I went into the cabin and asked the captain if I could just put my phone there. And it was on a, uh, what do they call them? One of those bendy attachments so you can really, and I, anyway, Kev, the long and short gorilla, gorilla is. You know, sticks, uh, gorillas, gorilla sticks. Gorilla sticks. That's it. And it was looking through the window, and I did this time-lapse as we went from the start of the port to the fort. And then in the evening, as the sunlight was falling, over the fort. So I use it for that sort of reason quite a lot. And actually, you can, you know, these days, you can put it into a film, give it a bit of grading, and they all look good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't get any real pleasure out of using a phone for, you know, photography. That's why I say I don't really, you're right about being able to do things that you perhaps wouldn't be able to do with a a proper camera, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, you know, you do do you ever edit those things? Do you ever do it, you know, with the pictures, do they just sit on your phone forever? You certainly won't be able to print them very, you know, extremely large. Um, you know, they're not gonna be great in terms yeah. of um noise correction, things like that. But that said, uh, you know, the the mobile phone has become the Polaroid, you know, hasn't it? You know, you you'd see a lot of um, the photographers in the past, they would use Polaroids first as their test shots yep. and, you know, to, to, to check lighting and everything and know that they, they use their mobile phones for that before they get the, the big bad DSLR or mirrorless or, you know, whatever they're using out. Yeah. So, yeah, it's certainly got a place, but it's, uh, you know, this, this question comes up lots, you know, why can't um, proper cameras do, uh, you know, Whatever, all of the fancy stuff—the auto focusing or changing focus points and all that kind of stuff that cameras can, that phones can—and that's that's been answered to death. It's you know, it's they're never going to do it. It's not, it's not relevant. It's it's total difference, different R and D, uh, and you know, people buy cameras because they want to take pictures rather than and necessarily have all of the bells and whistles and gimmicks that the, the, mm. the phones can have, do have, will have.
0: Have. on that um, front of um, i can't find the particular picture but there's a, there's a photographer and artist called Simon Buckley who made this uh, incredible picture of in the rain in Manchester on his phone um, that is in a particular piece of work about how he what well, he makes pictures when when it goes dark He's this fantastic project Kev about what happens after dark uh, in Manchester and one of his signature pictures was actually made on an iPhone 5 and the interpolation software when he gave it to somebody to blow up as a big print was so amazing you can hardly tell the difference so it can be done but obviously mm. it's a lot more complex isn't it
1: yeah and you're going to be you know you're limited to lenses you're limited to yeah. you know depth of field you there's a lot of limitations But um, in that in that big cupboard that you have behind you that has all all that
0: kit in that you're never going to use, have you ever invested in all those those lenses that you can put onto your uh, your well you would have had an iPhone at that stage so it would have been for an iPhone I bet you did I bet you bought all the lenses so you could do the I did uh, I had an
1: entire anamorphic set of lenses (laughs) see that I never used I I I knew you would they're probably as good as the day you bought them aren't they No I I think I stuck them on eBay Did you? I think so,
0: yeah. That's a mag- magic cupboard. You know what you should do is, is have sort of a big um, day at the Mullin studio with that, people coming to buy stuff for the magic cupboard. That, I think it would go down well Kev what do you think
1: I think it would Yeah, I think you're right you yeah. make,
0: make a fortune well that's it for another week if you've liked this or any of the week's shows thank you and if you can of course and feel it's relevant we would love you to leave a review if you can share the episode on Twitter or on Facebook you're an absolute star keep sending your questions in how do they do it on Facebook Kev
1: uh, top of the, the pin threads at the top of the group um, just stick them in there
0: And we and we will get to them Honest, we will. And if you want to email them in, click at fujicast.co.uk. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal
0: with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.